This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the halls of the Capitol are quiet once more, and lawmakers are headed home after concluding their three-day special session on gambling. The new gaming compact with the Seminole Tribe has been approved by lopsided margins in both chambers. Opponents made their final stand Wednesday in the House of Representatives. We're told it doesn't violate Amendment 3 because it's not an expansion of gambling because, of course, sports betting on our phone apps is happening through servers on tribal lands. L-O-L. I cannot support the compact as it stands now because I am concerned that we're taking away that right from the voters. And you have to question that because what we are doing is we are selling the right to money for 30 years to one entity. Supporters admit there could be legal problems, especially the sports betting provision. But Representative Randy Fine says Florida wins either way. It's not even our place to determine whether this is legal or not. Me personally, I don't think it's going to survive. So what happens if that's the case? The Seminoles get to keep doing what they're already doing with a small change, craps and roulette. And they start paying us a million and a half dollars a day. Representative Fine was also responsible for the most cringeworthy moment during the debate as he forced lawmakers to imagine him naked. If I'm making a sports bet in my bathtub at home, but sorry, but I know. Pass the ear bleach, please. When the session was done, House Speaker Chris Sproul said passage of the Seminole Compact was history in the making. I'm real proud of the work uh, that was done this week in a really short time frame uh, by the members to get up to speed on the compact. I think it's a historic day for Florida. Uh, there was excellent negotiation, I think, done by the governor, by the Seminole tribe. But it's not over yet. The deal still has to be approved by the Department of Interior to see if it complies with the Indian Gaming Regulation Act. And opponents are promising a court challenge because there is a provision in the state constitution that says any expansion of casinos has to be approved by the voters. The governor's lawsuit to try to force the CDC to let cruise ships get back in business is going into mediation, which means the whole thing is pretty much moot. Chances are good they'll be sailing again before the mediation process is done. Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed makes a virtual appearance at the Forum Club of the Palm Beaches, where she was asked if she'll announce a run for governor next month. Um, I will continue doing what I believe is right for the state, um, which is what always has been my motivator, is to step up and lead and to show a different way of governing. And I've done that as commissioner, and uh, you'll see on June 1st what the next, what the next phase will be. We'll also have your calendar of political events and the story of a Florida man facing 20 years in prison after pledging his support for ISIS and posting a video on how to make a bomb. The video was actually made by the FBI, and if you follow their instructions, it does not explode. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Thursday, May 20th. This is National Rescue Dog Day, National Quiche Lorraine Day, and National Pick Strawberries Day. On this date in 1873, Levi Strauss and Jacob Davis patented the very first blue jeans with copper rivets. In 1927, Charles Lindbergh took off from New York on the first solo nonstop flight across the Atlantic. In 1932, Amelia Earhart left Newfoundland on her journey to become the first woman to fly solo and nonstop across the Atlantic. In 1985, the U.S. began broadcasting to Cuba on Radio Marti. And on this date in 2015, David Letterman hosted The Late Show for the very last time after 33 years. Florida's Department of Health reported 2,811 new cases of COVID Wednesday and 45 additional fatalities. Our death toll has reached 36,999. The total number of cases, 
2,299,596. More than 7,728,000 Floridians are now fully vaccinated against the virus, and more than 2 million have had their first shot. The special session on gambling ended Wednesday as the Florida House of Representatives approved a new seminal compact, created a new gaming control commission, and approved a paramutual bill that will pretty much mean the end of harness racing, quarter horse racing, and highlight in Florida. Most of the debate centered on the compact. Representative Nick Durant of Miami says it may be good for the tribe, but not for the people of Florida. I, I just want everyone to understand the magnitude of this. This is a 30-year deal. This isn't a 15-year deal. This isn't a 10-year deal. This is a 30-year deal. And in many respects, this is a conse as consequential a vote as we make as legislators on this floor. One of the issues that I keep going back to is, and I've always used as my guiding star on whether or not we should be up or down on this, is, is this a good deal for the state of Florida for Floridians? And the piece that continues to come back to me and that I keep thinking about is the sports book aspect because it is the most troubling because it goes back to what Representative Greco was talking about. We are expanding gambling, whether you want to try to dance around what that looks like. We are saying now that you will be able to be making bets on this floor while uh, that, is, that casino and that while the network or whatever you call it of the box over there in the, on the Seminole land is where it's being registered. We cannot do that today. You cannot do that right now. So that is exactly what it is. That said, we know, and we've heard it several times over the last couple of days, that this is going to be litigated, this is going to be reviewed, and there are two chances right now, actually a couple of chances, that this will be invalidated, whether it's by the federal agency that has to review and approve this, or whether it will be in court. And so if that happens, the question is, how, much rich, how rich is this deal then? Is this still a good deal for the state of Florida? I don't believe it will be at that point. And you have to question that because what we are doing is we are selling the right to money for 30 years to one entity. And for folks who are into competitive markets and, and seeing how that can be the best way to drive down costs or increase revenues, we are, not, we are selling ourselves short in many respects for that deal, a deal that may potentially fall apart. Then there's the issue of legality. Florida's Constitution includes Amendment 3, which says any expansion of casino gambling has to be approved by the voters. Representative Carlos Guillermo Smith of Orlando says backers of the compact went through all sorts of legal contortions to try to avoid that requirement, but he believes people should have the right to vote. We're told it doesn't violate Amendment 3 because it's not an expansion of gambling because, of course, sports betting on our phone apps is happening through servers on tribal lands. L-O-L. <laughs> Members, under that argument, could I open a slot machine operation in Orlando so long as the physical slots are internet-based and using servers on tribal lands? That wouldn't be an expansion of gambling? Come on, y'all. We know better than this. We can solve this question by allowing for the voters to ratify this compact, but the legislature decided not to get voter approval. We decided, again, it appears to violate the Constitution on yet another issue as it relates this time to Amendment 3, and I think that we're making a mistake. We must respect the Constitution and allow for voter approval of this obvious expansion of gambling. 
Orlando Representative Anna Eskimani was also disturbed that they are expanding gambling without a vote of the public. You know, when I sent out an email to my constituents letting them know that we were coming back for a special session focused on gaming, I asked them for feedback. And the majority of folks who contacted me back asked the question, whatever happened to Amendment 3? I thought that moving forward, the voters would approve any type of expansion on gambling. And I understand the nuanced points that the sponsors are making. Um, at the end of the day, it seems like there is a consensus that the courts will decide. Um, but really, due to the feedback from my district on folks really wanting to have a and what happens in gambling in Florida, I cannot support the compact as it stands now because I am concerned that we're taking away that right from the voters. But Representative Randy Fine of Brevard County says the bottom line is that the Seminoles are promising billions of dollars for the state treasury, and Florida will still get that money even if portions of the deal are struck down in court. And I want you to start by thinking about $1.5 million. I want you to think about what could happen in your districts with $1.5 million. Because that is what the Seminoles are promising to pay us right now. The day after this compact is approved by the Secretary of Interior, every day, $1.5 million. For stuff they're basically already doing. $10 million a week, $500 million a year. So why the rush? Well, you can't get the $1.5 million a day until you pass the compact. Now, again, they're going to pay this on stuff they already do, slots and table games. And yeah, they get roulette and craps, but it's not that big of a deal. It's just another kind, as I said, it's not an expansion of gambling. So that's a pretty good deal for us. So let's talk about the elephant in the room, sports betting and people's concern. Oh, my God, we're going to give them this amazing monopoly, which we are. They're getting a monopoly. Whether it's amazing or not, I will challenge here. Do not mistake the size of the sports betting business. It's not that big. It is dwarfed by the business that they have today. Online gambling, slots on your phone, which we're not letting happen here, much different, much bigger. But this business isn't that big. There's only a certain subset of people who actually want to bet on sports. People are going to sue over the sports betting provision. And as the bill sponsors pointed out, if the sports betting goes away, the compact still goes forward. We still get every dollar that we're entitled to based on those revenue sharing rates for the enormous business that they're operating today. The only difference is we, we lower the minimum payment a little bit, but we don't change the percentages. That's what happens if that gets thrown out. And it could get thrown out. It could get thrown out for two reasons. Number one, IGRA says you, well, you can have gaming on tribal lands. And there's a really good argument, by the way, one that I believe in, but I'm not a lawyer and I'm not a judge that says, and I used this example yesterday, I'll embarrass myself again. If I'm making a sports bet in my bathtub at home, but sorry, but I know uh, if I'm doing that, that, that it is a bet on the tribal lands. And I think there's a legitimate argument. I think there's a good chance that the courts go, yeah, no, 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 no. Common sense prevails. And then there's the Amendment 3 concern that folks have said. You know, we said vote, the expansion of gambling has to go to the voters. And there's a reasonable chance that that happens too. But we are not judges and we are not juries. We are not the ones who make those decisions. And particularly in this case, because we didn't pass either of these. Amendment three was not done by the legislature. And certainly the Indian Gaming Regulatory Act, which was done by the feds. So it's not even our place to determine whether this is legal or not. Me personally, 
I don't think it's going to survive. So what happens if that's the case? The Seminoles get to keep doing what they're already doing with a small change, craps and roulette, and they start paying us a million and a half dollars a day, $500 million a year. The final vote in the House was 97 to 17. It wasn't even close. It had already passed the Senate, so the bill is headed to the governor for his signature. Lawmakers may have signed off on the compact, but it still needs to be approved by the feds. It will also be challenged in court for ignoring Amendment 3. But House Speaker Chris Sproul says that was pretty much inevitable. I don't think there's any chance of, of doing a, a gaming deal to the, to the size and scope that was negotiated by Governor DeSantis without a legal challenge. Obviously, you know, having this kind of agreement, you, you're navigating uh, kind of the icebergs of legal hurdles um, as you as you do this. George Gavine talked about whether or not the hub and spoke model for, for sports betting will be you know, challenged in federal court, whether it will be successful. I think that is an open question. I think that, you know, reasonable people disagree. Um, some people have looked at it and said, hey, I don't think it's going to make it. I've looked at it. I think it will. Uh, the reality is that's going to be resolved by by a court. We expect that this is probably going to be litigated. But I think that Chairman Fine made an excellent point earlier today, which is if it is litigated, and let's assume that the federal court says that that's not a valid uh, way to do it. So that part, is, that part is now severed from the compact. Floridians get the benefit of the bargain under the compact and just lose the $50 million for, for sports betting. So I think you know, Chairman Fine made an excellent point, which is if that is your primary concern and you are a member in the chamber today and you believe it will be struck down, if that is true, you have protected the revenue share for the people of Florida. And that, as they say, is that. The session is done and the Capitol is quiet again, for the most part. Once the special session was done, the House Democratic Caucus picked new leaders for 2022 and 2024. Tallahassee Representative Ramon Alexander will lead the caucus starting next year. He replaces St. Petersburg Representative Ben Diamond, who will be leaving the legislature to run for Congress. Tampa Representative Fentrice Driscoll was elected Democratic leader starting in 2024 and will be the first black woman to head up the caucus. The governor's legal effort to force the CDC to let cruise ships sail without COVID restrictions has failed. The governor and the attorney general filed a lawsuit last month challenging restrictions on the cruise industry imposed by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, claiming the CDC had overstepped its authority. Here's what Ron DeSantis had to say about two weeks ago. The CDC has mothballed this for over a year. They said that it was going to be two weeks last March. Now here we are over a year later and there's no end in sight. Now they say you can only cruise if you have 98% people show proof of vaccination, but that's ridiculous. They're cruising in other parts of the world where they don't even have availability of vaccines yet, where they have much higher COVID than in the United States. And oh, by the way, if you don't let them sail from Florida, which is one of our major industries, they're gonna sail from the Bahamas. So that is fundamentally unfair. It makes no sense. And we are suing the CDC right now. Think about the larger implication of this. Do you want one unelected bu bureaucracy to be able to have the power to indefinitely shut down a major industry in this country? They do not have that authority to do it. That's why we're suing them. But this has much larger implications than just cruise ships sailing or not. This has implications for potentially any industry. And look, with all due respect to the CDC, I mean, if you look at some of the stuff that they've done on school openings, where they're basically uh, doing the teachers unions bidding, when they say these, these kids should be masked at summer camp outdoors, I'm sorry, that's not science, that's politics. 
The governor was hoping for some sort of injunction while the case was in court, but U.S. District Judge Stephen Maryday ordered the state and the feds to enter into mediation instead. And that can be a slow process, which means the cruise ships could be sailing long before the mediator issues a ruling. Speaking of the governor, one of the people who wants his job was the featured speaker at Wednesday's virtual gathering of the Forum Club of the Palm Beaches. Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed spent almost all of her time talking about how she revamped the agriculture department over the past two and a half years, but the very last question from club president Harvey Oyer was about her political aspirations. You've teased a big announcement on June 1st. Any chance you want to give our audience today a preview of what that announcement will be in two weeks? <laughs> You're gonna to have to wait till June first um, for for that. Uh, but 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 certainly, you know, I as our only statewide elected Democrat, uh, it makes sense for me to be talking about you know running for governor. Um, I have unfortunately I have seen up close and personal um, heartbreaking stories that I could tell about this current administration not taking care of the people, not putting them first, um, and and working on things that go out of their way to hurt the people of our state. Um, I, at a very young age, I, I've always been taught to do good. And when you run for office to be in public office, it's to give back and it's to serve everybody, regardless of if they voted for you, if they've supported you, it doesn't matter. If you, I'm commissioner of agriculture, I'm commissioner of agriculture for the entire state of Florida. Whether somebody wants to go online and, and bash me, it's okay, they've got their right, they've got their opinions. Um, I will continue doing what I believe is right for the state, um, which is what always has been my motivator, is to step up and lead and to show a different way of governing. And I've done that as commissioner, and uh, you'll see on June 1st what the next, what the next phase will be. Let's move on to your calendar of events. The Florida Council on Art and Culture meets online at 9. Trustees of Gulf Coast College meet at 10 in Panama City. The Florida Defense Support Task Force meets at 10.30 in Tallahassee. The Florida Supreme Court releases opinions at 11. Dr. Anthony Fauci speaks during the Florida International University Hemispheric Security Conference. That's at 11. The CEO of the Port of Miami speaks to the Economic Club of Florida at noon in Tallahassee. The Citrus Commission holds a webinar at 2 about protecting the reputation of Florida citrus. The Department of Agriculture Hemp Advisory Committee meets by conference call at 3, followed by a phone meeting of the Medical Cannabis Advisory Committee at 3.30. And the Public Service Commission holds an online customer meeting at 6 about a request from Sunny Shores Utilities to increase water rates in Manatee County. Finally today, a Florida man faces up to 20 years in federal prison after pleading guilty to trying to provide support for ISIS. Prosecutors say 31-year-old Romeo Langhorn of St. Augustine pledged himself to the Islamic State back in 2014 and expressed support on social media and YouTube. But one of the people he thought was ISIS turned out to be an undercover FBI agent. Prosecutors say Langhorn told the agent he was planning an instructional video on how to make a deadly explosive. The FBI actually produced the video for him, but they used a chemical formula that would not produce an explosion and then busted him when he posted the video online. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.